Blow My God is brought to you by Afterglow ATX, a digital music publication in Austin, Texas. Read the entirety of our content at afterglowatx.com and follow us on all social media at Afterglow ATX. Hi, y'all, and welcome back to Glow My God, an Afterglow ATX official podcast serving the hottest takes about what's next in your queue. I'm your host, Mark Yoder, the audio director of Afterglow, and I'm joined by content editor Aditya Srinivas and senior digital illustrator Roberto Soto. Today's episode will be a loosely structured debate over the value of vinyls in the 21st century. Roberto will be arguing why modern music shouldn't be released on vinyl at all, and Aditya will be arguing why they still have a place. I will be playing the role of the unbiased moderator of this debate, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. First, because the Grammys just happened, we'll be doing a quick recap of the Grammys with a little segment I like to call Snub or Dub, where we all talk about which when we felt was most deserved and which win was most undeserved and which artist that award should have gone to. Aditya, how about you start for and sharing your snub and your dub? All right, so I guess my dub is, I'm really happy for her getting Song of the Year. I think that category, when, you ha- when you're up against people like Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Post Malone, and Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish, like, Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those categories where the Grammy committee didn't pick the obvious choices and mm-hmm. really gave it to the one that deserved it. Cause I can't breathe is, you know, a fantastically written song. And I feel like the Grammys over the past very few many years has like had this reputation of taking the obvious choice. And I'm really glad that they didn't hear. So yeah, that one um, was my dub. For sure. It's a good pick. And I guess I can do my uh what is snub. Yeah, that's what yeah, it's called. You gotta do your snub <laughs> and then your dub. That's the segment, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh I was not happy about Freddie Gibbs mm. and the Alchemist not winning rap album of the year. Yes. I thought Alfredo was really, really good. And I guess going back to what I was saying about the obvious pick, I think the Grammys was always going to pick Nas, you know, just because <laughs> yeah, it's he's like, Nas. It's Nas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, he I did mean, never win a Grammy. So it's kind of like good. Yeah. Anyway, but also it's like at this point for I don't even, you know, I listened to some of the songs off the album and it was OK, but definitely. I agree yeah. On that point. It, it was kind of like uh, Nas's dicaprio moment where it was like <laughs> we're just giving it to you because it hasn't been there for you for yeah, a while it's a very good comparison where like he's he, i mean he's had better albums a hundred percent so just like dicaprio when he won for i think the revenant he had better performances but they just kind of yeah, gave up in, and said in revenant he go. fought a bear so yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> uh, i'll give him that about. yeah <laughs> yeah that's my uh snub and dub all right, Roberto, what about you? Okay, I had to think about this because I did write the Grammy predictions for Afterglow on AfterglowATX.com if anybody listening wants to check it out. <laughs> I was wrong about all of them except for one, um, and I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. 
Um, I'm happy about it. Uh, but my dub is Un Canto por México, Volume 1, by Natalia Laforcade for Best Regional Mexican Album. Um, she's just great. She's she's a phenomenal um, songwriter and uh, just just human person. She's doing a lot of wonderful things in Mexico. And I was reading an article a few weeks ago about how like she's the patron saint for Mexican like folklore regional music and and she really is she's uh amazing and the album also won album of the year at the latin grammys uh but she hasn't won a traditional grammy since 2016 for the same category i believe so just to see her win again is really nice i feel like she was the obvious choice because she is like she's not that big here even though she was like on the the soundtrack for coco and stuff um she's not that big here but in mexico and and other parts of latin america she's like I don't I don't know I could be wrong but she's like their Beyonce and I Dang. I love her for that. Um, that's, awesome. that's probably wrong but I yeah <laughs> so she's my she's my dub but as for my snub um I also talked about this in the Grammy predictions uh article on afterglowatx.com um Sawayama by Rina Sawayama I believe was a big snub um for album of the year or at least best pop vocal album mm -hmm. because of just the dynamic production and songwriting that went into that album. There's just so, there's so much there. There's new metal, there's R&B, there's a little <laughs> bit of um, bubblegum pop with excess. Like it's just so much. And I, she also did an interview a few weeks ago or no, a few days ago where she was talking about like, I'm never gonna be confined to one genre. And although that's true for this album, it all sounds so her and so like this particular moment and project that it was just it's the it's the most interesting album of the year and i'll say that <laughs> um i i will say that i she could be nominated for best new artist but i'm really glad that meg won so in that regard i'm like i wouldn't want them to be pitted against each other but also she really <laughs> deserves to be recognized for being such a such an incredible um, such an incredible artist. I think that she was really snubbed by by the US and the UK because she wasn't nominated for any Brits or Mercury Prizes. Uh, although she did, she wasn't last year, but this year she was nominated for like the Rising Star Best New Artist for the Brits. Uh, but that's after she like, not even led a campaign, but her fans were like, how dare you be xenophobic and racist? Because it really is. She's a, been a British citizen for years. Um, and they never nominated her because she wasn't quote unquote a citizen. Anyway, I love her. Stream Sawayama. Yeah, definitely. It is weird, like the whole like new artist thing. Because a lot of times it's like these people have been around for oh a while. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It I, is when awesome. I that category Who has gets always recognized felt like and stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like that category has always been like when the established, you know, Grammy committee finally recognizes that this person is breaking into the upper stratosphere and of, of the music's like industry and they finally just feel like acknowledging them. They just throw them in a new new artist category, even if people have heard about them for a long time. Right. And but then there's like Noah Cyrus who hasn't had mm, how do i say this hasn't had like a big hit since she started like five years ago <laughs> i'm like you're not you're not new nor are you the best mm. and 
I was very so confused true. by Kay Trinata being. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the one I was gonna. That man has been around too. for years. Yeah, it's absurd to call him like a new <laughs> artist. I don't know to me, but yeah, yeah, it is weird. I was happy though. Um, I, just to go into my snub and dub, my dub was Kay Trinata getting mm-hmm. best it was um i think dance album right like, yeah honey. best dance album uh i like yeah like i said he was he's been doing stuff for a long time and he i think he started on soundcloud just doing like some kind of interesting remixes and stuff to like janet jackson songs um and yeah it's really cool to see him get the recognition like this because yeah he's like he's been he's been doing it and he's a very hard working guy um yeah and i was also happy to see thundercat get best progressive r&b album definitely for it is what it is oh and sorry to say the katronata album that was bubba by katronata but yeah so then because yeah thundercat i love him he's hilarious and like he has a bunch of goofy songs on that project um so yeah i just i did not expect to see him win but and yeah, like Ungodly Hour, I feel like maybe deserved it, but um, <laughs> you know, I'll say it, it deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot disagree with that, but I also, I was just, I just think it's funny that he won, and I'm happy to see it because uh, he's just a really odd and interesting guy. Um, yeah, his Twitter my... account is something to behold. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Go follow Thundercat on Twitter. He always has, like, the weirdest pictures and stuff on his phone. Um, and then my snub was... Yeah, Savage Remix, I think, should have gotten Record of the Year. Because, okay. like, I don't, I don't even really... <laughs> I think Beyonce and Megan came together on that song and it was just, you know, it was a moment. I listened to it a ton. I'd be open to hearing other arguments, but yeah, I didn't I didn't really think the Billie Eilish song was that special. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember who won. I didn't I didn't I was not expecting that. Not not in that it's a bad song or that it's not good. I was just like, okay. They really went yeah. with some some choices this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not like the biggest Billie Eilish fan, so maybe I'm like kind of biased in that regard. But same. Personally, I just think like Sa- Savage was just much more a moment in time and kind of I don't know. It just feel felt to me. It felt like the record of the year. You know what? Going then, back to that category, I think I agree with you. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like a strongest group of songs to be honest, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also just to mention the like the weekend not being nominated for anything. Obviously, it's like kind of crazy to me, like not a single nomination. So, yeah, I I, I stand in solidarity with the weekend. Yeah, and I, I mean, stand I, with I, you. <laughs> I I th- I don't think that the Grammys are necessarily a marker of success. Obviously, as we previously mentioned, Sawayama, Ungodly yeah. Hour, as we as me me previously mentioned. Um, those were more deserving of certain awards. Uh, we don't have to talk about Future Nostalgia winning Best Pop Vocal Album. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to. But I, it's not. A, it's not a marker of success. And so I think that I, I also 
it's the weekend proved that because I mean Super Bowl halftime show, uh, and he's yeah, relatively true. like it's relatively early in his commercial career because he's had you know this is what his technically his third album and he's already doing halftime show. Blinding Lights has been in the top ten of the Hot 100 for a year now, which like is record breaking. Like he's he's had a great year, and the Grammys not recognizing him is just like not. <laughs> Not worth worrying about, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, he's he's doing very fine for himself, I think. It's not like he's some smaller artist who, like, um, is, not, is not getting the recognition in other ways. But right. it does just feel weird because they tend to give artists of that size, like, recognition usually in the show so that's i guess mm-hmm. that might be why it feels weirder but right i mean like you'd he's expect definitely on their radar in a way mm-hmm. yeah you but... i think you definitely expect a nomination you know what i'm yeah. saying like yeah yeah you don't have thing. to give him the award if you don't like him you know what i mean but i think ignoring the weekend's existence <laughs> kind of as the grammy committee is kind of odd and i, I can't help but like think there's some kind of beef there behind the scenes that like yeah it's definitely possible you know it's hard to know kind of how these decisions get made but i think that's a very good point though like yeah he did the halftime show and like you know it's not hurting him that right. much really also like i just thought it was funny just i was like looking at it and i thought it was funny that taylor swift won best out al- like album of the year but then she didn't win pop vocal yeah pop vocal album of the year so it's like it's the best of all albums, but then if you're only looking at pop vocal albums, then it's not the best. It's just like, how does this work? <laughs> I don't know how and Taylor think- Swift keeps getting away with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how many times she's won, rec- I mean, album of the year now, but it's always seemed like it's just come out of nowhere. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not... A- I feel like Swifties listening to this are going to get on me. <laughs> There's some now. Swifties, and, yeah, listening right now. You know what? I apologize, pleased. but I don't. Um, <laughs> I like. I don't know how you could have listened to all the music as a fan of like really any genre this year, and come out thinking Folklore was like the best of the best <laughs> album that you listened to. Like, I understand if you like. I don't think it's a terrible album. That's not what I'm saying yeah. at all. It's just that yeah. like. I guess going back to what I said earlier, it's just like the safe pick. Like, you know, Taylor Swift has won Grammys before she's mm-hmm. nominated and I guess you can just give it to her. But like you said, it just doesn't make sense if it's not the best pop, like vocal pop album. Well, how we can, we can say it. Album? Those are not <laughs> pop vocals. Yeah, that's fair as well. <laughs> Whereas like Dua, Let's Dua Lipa. Who, Let's be clear. Yeah. Dua Lipa one with Future Nostalgia, and that's a very disco poppy, like very, very pop vocal, whereas Folklore is like, I think on the platforms is listed as alternative. The production is very different. Um, so I don't think, I mean, it's the same thing with like Tyler, the creator winning for Igor for best rap album, where it's like, that's not a rap album. It's a oh, pop yeah. record. Uh, right. So that's just kind of where they have to put it because it's not it's not something that's like punisher or like fetch the bolt cutters um really but it is not i don't know it's just not pop and it it makes sense that they gave dua 
that one because I think that's the only one, the only award that she got that night, whereas she was mm-hmm. um, nominated for record, song, and album of the year, and she lost all of them. And I mean, hey, that's just that's just business, baby. But I <laughs> that's I, show business. <laughs> that's show business. But I think that it made sense to give her that one, and then to give Taylor. As for like folklore being the best album of the year, I mean. I can see how you would think that, and I can see how you wouldn't think that. And that's what I'll say. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I had yeah, feelings. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like, I think it might be one of her better albums, possibly. For sure. You know? Um, and, like, if you look at the options for album of the year, like, you know, it's not like there's a ton of albums that are, like, screaming that they should have won instead, but... I haven't even really heard some of these albums, so it was who who was nominated? Uh, like Coldplay, didn't like, hear that. Post Malone, I didn't even know he had an album. I think Women in Music Part Three could, I mean, definitely had the biggest shout yeah. out of everything else. Not Taylor Swift, um, and also I guess to give the local boys some a shout out. Like I thought the Black Pumas album. Could have definitely taken Mm -hmm. it. I would have been surprised if it did. I would have been surprised, but it definitely was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of, you know, I think a lot of artists haven't been putting out a ton of albums just because they can't, like, go and tour it right now. So that might be part of the equation, too. But, yeah, anyways, that's the Grammys. (laughs) And now we will move into our... Hot take of the week. All right, and for today's hot take, we have a discussion of vinyls and whether or not they are good in a modern period and this is roberto's hot take so i'll let him explain it and aditya is here to kind of give the counterpoint as it were uh i don't really have a strong opinion either way so i'm sort of ready to be convinced you know uh, <laughs> by you guys uh, i don't have like, we'll a, do our a large investment into vinyls so yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say. Well, I will. What I'll say is, it's ultimately what I'll preface with is, it's ultimately the individual's decision. Um, but my recommendation is that you don't buy any album that was made post, if you need to be given a year, post 1999 wow. on vinyl is my is my take you don't yeah. need to buy anything that was created because of multiple reasons but the first one that i'll give is quality it's digital it's digital digitized music it's created in a totally different way than was done pre-1990s and so it just sounds very different on vinyl records and therefore it's not as good quality as if you were to stream it on like spotify apple music youtube any any way that you listen to your music and so because of this it just sounds really really weird and is not as good of an experience and don't you want to buy something that gives you a great experience don't you want to because vinyl records are incredibly um 
not incredibly expensive, but if you want to build a good collection, it can get really pricey really fast. And so if it's an investment that you're going to try to make, then you should invest in some good quality records. And so I think that's the main thing. I don't want you to spend a bunch of money. I don't want you to spend a bunch of money wasting it on bad records. I don't want you to have a bad time, baby. Just buy old records. <laughs> Roberto is looking out for you. I you know? am. It's in your best and interest. And your wallet, you know, because those uh, those new on. records, like they are expensive too. Yeah, they, they are. really are. So that's my that's one of my my um, the primary things that I'm thinking about when I'm purchasing records is like, do I want to spend thirty dollars on this album that was made for me to listen to on digital platforms? No, but with some exceptions. But we can get into that later. Um, <laughs> What what do you think? I'll get into those later. (laughs) Uh, So as far as quality goes, I definitely so like from the technical aspect, I definitely see where you're coming from, right? Like analog media, like a a vinyl record, was made for analog recording, like technology, right? It's definitely made for stuff that came out of like the '70s and '80s because like that, and before then, obviously, but. I definitely think um, record companies that care about the medium do put a lot of effort into making sure that that trans that transformation from digital to analog is done properly. And I think people in the industry like Jack White and Third Man Records, they do a fantastic. He's very, very passionate about the record medium and um they do a really good job of making sure that they transfer the digitized elements of his albums and everybody on the label into um into something that you would want to listen to on like that is a good enough quality for for a record and um that aside I, i i do agree that digital albums like aren't made for records but i don't think the average fan really here's the difference like there it goes both ways right a lot of people swear by vinyl and say that it sounds better when it comes to older albums and a lot of people will swear that newer albums don't sound as good on vinyl but i don't think the gratification from the vinyl experience necessarily comes from the strict audio quality because the vast majority of listeners like even people that listen to albums a lot Right. I consider myself amongst those average listeners. Like I cannot tell the difference most of the time between a higher quality audio file, streaming level audio files, and then like, you know, the analog experience. It's just we're not trained for that. The human ear just simply isn't as sensitive as we give it credit for. So I don't think that's where it gets most of its appeal. But I do think the quality generally just like from a technology standpoint is worse. And I, I will give Roberto that, like that, that <laughs> does make sense. That's a really interesting point. I didn't expect you to go that direction. So, and I kind of agree, like it's, it is not easy to pick up on like the subtle differences that would be between like listening to it just on your computer versus like what it might sound like on our, record player or whatever but where do you think that value um comes from then okay so i can really only speak for myself but i think this is how a lot of people um consume vinyl and that's like 
when you're listening to something on a record player, you can't really be doing anything else. Exactly. Right. You're not going to be studying while there's something spinning on your turntable because you can't keep getting up every 20 minutes to like flip over the LP, put it away and get yeah. the next LP. I disagree. I disagree. Study break and then I continue. <laughs> put, put it away and then like rifle through your collection for like 10 minutes just to figure out what you're putting on next. You know, like, and it, like, what if you're, I guess some people would be like, oh, I put it on while cooking. Like now I have to wash my hands and dry it every time I want to flip over the LP. Like it's just, <laughs> why aren't you washing your hands while you're cooking? That's really gross, Aditya. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's a good point. I can't just keep taking pauses for when I have something else that I'd rather be doing. Then like, I completely agree. You would rather stream something. When I put something on the record player. I'm like sitting in bed at most. I have like, I don't know, a coffee or something like that. Just sitting there listening to the album. And I think that's where this perception that it sounds better comes from. And I did air quotes there. Mm -hmm. I realized we're on an mm -hmm, mm -hmm. audio format. <laughs> um, <laughs> like when you're doing nothing but listening to the record, that's when you pick up on things that have always been there, you know? And I think this is also something that happens when you get new headphones, right? You're you're listening better because you want like that confirmation bias that your headphones are good, right? And yeah, it's so weird the way like you go into like a headphone store or something like that, and you're like, these sound amazing. I've never right. heard music like this before. Like, and then like three weeks like later, that. you're it's like you you don't even really notice. You're just like mm -hmm. you're like cool. My headphones yeah. are nice, right? But, and so. I think when you're doing nothing else but listening to the record, that's when you you get the most enjoyment out of it. And I guess that that's kind of that might be an elitist type of take, but I I do think it's it has nothing to do with the audio quality itself, right? I don't think you need the most expensive setup. I don't think you need, you know, like <laughs> the highest end <laughs> audio Our technica. Roberto made a very uh... interesting face. He sort of tilted his head at that. Uh, like, okay, okay. don't buy suitcase record players. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's what, but that's what I'm saying is that that sort of equipment is what is most accessible to a lot of people. And so because they're buying that equipment and they buy records that are not like, that in my opinion, do not transfer well to the analog format. And so it's just all around like so many elements that have to go right in order for this to be an, a, a good experience. And I agree, it's a yeah. ritual to kind of pick a record and place it and then like do what Aditya does and just sits in his room and drinks a coffee. Or what I do is I read or I do homework or I uh, clean my room or something, just have that little moment for myself or for ourselves. Uh, but the the vast majority of people that are that are buying records that are newer, are the same people who are buying record players that are low quality. And so I do agree that it is elitist to be like, stop buying cheap record players. Right. Um, although I, I think that that's definitely, that's definitely what that is. Um, I do, I do think that the, that affects the quality as well. And that's why I think that um, if you're going to invest in records, then you have to invest in a good record player and that takes money and not everybody has that. And yeah. so I don't know how that pertains to my argument of like only buy old <laughs> records, but I stand by that. I, yeah. And w one thing I want to say is um, we were talking about how albums sound better when the only thing you're doing is listening to the album. The 
Afterglow, Glow My God podcast sounds the best when you're doing nothing else but listening to it. So <laughs> you go get a coffee, stop what you're doing, and really take this in because this that's in. the that's the real way we want you to experience it. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess yeah, to go to go to like the. I think with how expensive record players uh, records are these days, mm-hmm. like $35, $40 for like a double LP is a lot mm-hmm. of money. And I do understand that like, that's not something that everybody has a disposable income for. Like it, it's just not feasible for a lot of people. But like, I think if you're going to be a person that buys like two or three of those, right? I think at the very least, if you're able to afford like the, the expensive records, um, you should be able to, I guess, hold off on a few of those and then buy something like you don't want your most expensive record to be more expensive than your record player, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think if you're buying a certain number of records at some point, it's like, hey, just don't buy a few of those and get yourself a record player that can play those properly. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I guess it's just getting into the economics of, of yeah, <laughs> like and playing records. But I, I guess it's a fair point. Um, like, yeah. it, it's a really expensive hobby to get into. And yeah, I, um, I, I agree and I disagree because a lot of older records, when you go to record store, they have like two dollar, five dollar bins where you can get quote unquote affordable um, mm-hmm. records, and so you can, and it's like a, it's what I would call an analog discover weekly. You can just hop into a record store yeah. and be like, oh, this is a cool looking record, or, or I know this artist, I could listen to it. You might not like it, but you only spent like five bucks on it, and you can share it with a friend. It's something you can send over to your girl Morgan's house and be like, Morgan, you might like this. You like weird stuff, you know? And I think that yeah. that's a really fun activity. And you know what? This this is one of the biggest arguments I wanted to ta- make. Like, what is crate digging going to be like in 30 years if we don't have modern records anymore? <laughs> you know? Well, you still like, have the music. <laughs> but, like, it is an experience to just hop into a record store and just, like, rifle through stuff. You know? Like, it's... it, And I also think that um sure the stuff from like 60 70 years ago even now still exists in record stores it's not it's not going to go away but you know like you never know what type of music you you miss out on if you don't make vinyl for artists today and 30 mm-hmm. years down the line like a talented dj just never finds it to sample you know like mm, it, maybe. it's just i i feel like I, that's kind of a a, a crapshoot argument but it's just something i, I felt <laughs> like I, I needed to to say <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I don't know if I buy that one personally, because uh, yeah, you could definitely yeah. <laughs> sort of do like an online uh, equivalent to just like finding some weird YouTube video or something of like a weird artist. But um, to get back to, I also love the like, idea that you think that there's going to be crates to dig in thirty years <laughs> from now. That's very optimistic, my friend. Yeah, I wonder if society yeah. will exist in thirty years. <laughs> Oh, me, it is optimistic. I know, and they're gonna be like, like, what's this album? Yeah, wow. I love, I love folklore? the idea. Grammy, <laughs> Grammy award winning album folklore. I wonder I, no, how I can make this into a great song. I love the idea of someone digging through a crates and going, Ah, yes, Sugar by Megan The Stallion. Never heard of this yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not like only mainstream records are getting pressed, right? That's yeah, very yeah. true. True, true, true. Um, 
But okay, I guess I wanted, a real uh, argument here. Right, to make a real <laughs> argument. Okay. I would and and I guess this is getting back to money, but outside of live shows, nothing mm-hmm. makes an artist more money than physical releases. Mm-hmm, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like streaming is a scam. And if it weren't for Lars Ulrich laying his reputation and Metallica's reputation on the altar when he like defended artists from Napster and like the whole like artists would be getting scammed even more right Mm -hmm. and the streaming environment just does not support artists and this last year has made it very clear that like even the live show business is not a guarantee and even when in the environment when you can put on tours like you got to pay like there's a lot of people to pay you got to pay the stage managers the audio engineers like the whole tour is expensive to put on in the first place and you're not getting a huge cut of of those ticket sales but when it comes down to it physical releases and merch are what support artists and i think taking away the most historically relevant like physical medium away from like artists today is gonna hurt their ability to continue making music because they just won't be able to support themselves and at the very least like if if you don't want to talk about it as a listening experience if there's a lot of people that get gratification out of just owning a vinyl a lot i know a lot of people Mm -hmm. just post records that they bought and don't own a record player right that's and that's their prerogative like i'm not going to stop them because that is a way that they use to support their artists that they like support albums Mm -hmm. that they like and it it's just one of the best way to support artists. And I don't think, uh, and sure you can make the same argument for CDs and like cassettes, which are like also these kind of analogy type um, experiences that are also physical releases that can also make money for artists. But I think the record is kind of this institution in our minds mm-hmm. of like, it, it's always been around. It's like the first thing music was printed on um, mm-hmm. outside of, you know, sheet music. So it's just kind of, I don't see how it would go away when it, when it's so integral to, to artists supporting themselves. So yeah, I guess that's my biggest argument. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that is where I give it to you where I say, okay, yeah, because there are people that I think um, are creating really wonderful music that sounds great on on vinyl and the whole idea of supporting artists as well, especially right now when, like you said, music venues are down, no one's really doing live shows. And if you are doing live shows in person, I don't think I trust you as a human being and therefore you do not, uh, uh, you do not, (laughs) you do not get my support. Um, Wait, wait a few months. Uh, I'll buy your record if you stop doing that, please. Um, But I, I, I agree with that. I think that supporting people like the, the one, no, it's not the one, but like one of the only albums that I have that wasn't released like before 1992 is uh, Bedouin's debut album, Bedouin. And if you don't know who she is, she's really, really, really wonderful. She is um, really atmospheric indie music. It's just super calming. It's one of those albums that you put on a record 
you put on and you just like go about you do you do the Adithia and you just sit in your chair and you drink your coffee it is such a it is such a great great time the Adithia uh the the Adithia I'm being verbed um, here <laughs> <laughs> um it's 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 really great and I think that it sounds really amazing on on headphones because you get to hear all the like bird sounds and the texture that she's built into it but it's also one of those works that like sounds good on vinyl record as well as she's she's an independent artist and she's I bought it on Bandcamp because I was like I like this album she's great uh, doesn't get to do much show doesn't get much coverage by people um, I think she you know you know that's right. the logic of of many different things and so I do think that it's an important element to consider but if I ever saw a future nostalgia LP in anyone's collection I think I'd run for many reasons. Uh, <laughs> And I and I yeah, listen. I yeah. dig. I dig the album. But there's albums that were released. Um, there are some that were released like last year. Like Leon Le Havis's album was amazing, and I think that would sound great on on a record. Uh, but then there's other stuff that I'm like, I liked folklore. I might not buy it on vinyl, though. That one might sound nice. But you know, like Future Nostalgia, um, Igor stuff like that. I'm like, I don't think that that would be a good experience for me. Yeah, and I, I think there's also this kind of impression that like once you start collecting vinyl, like people collect everything that they listen to mm-hmm. in the physical spectrum, which just yeah. isn't true. You know, yeah. like, yeah, I, I have listened to, to thousands of albums and I only own like, you know, 50 or more. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. it's right. not it's not like you're forced to listen and buy literally everything that you listen to and put that kind of money into it when yeah it's really at the end of the day it's like you don't have to buy the albums that you don't think will sound good or you don't really connect with it's just a way of having like a physical piece like i own this record of albums that you really really like right and yeah like go ahead that's the thing i was gonna say is um like I, I can definitely whether the actual audio experience and like all of that is actually um that great just the whole kind of the ritual side of it and also just the kind of making a statement almost with what mm-hmm. albums you decide to buy on vinyl it's kind of like this album meant something to me or this album was special to me in some way that I wanted to spend the money to actually buy this. Have it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also kind of back to the supporting artist thing, we were kind of, we talked about this in a podcast a while ago, kind of talking about streaming and stuff and like Mm -hmm. Bandcamp versus Spotify. Um, And I think it's also, it is like an important thing to think about um, if there is like a smaller artist that you really, really like Mm -hmm. versus maybe buying that album or something or kind of sending some money that way instead of like, let me get Drake's views on vinyl or something like that. (laughs) I would scream. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen, like I've... I've seen it, you know, I've seen things. I don't want to speak about, but I've seen things. Um, War flashbacks happen. We talk, so, about, yeah, we talk think, about that in therapy. We got it. <laughs> yeah, not here, not here. <laughs> so yeah, that's just something I wanted to say. It's like, you know, think of, you could, that's one thing to think about when you're like deciding what to buy. And that's, that's why I ultimately say it's up to the individual. Like that's what your, that's what your take is. That's what your flavor is. That's what you want. You don't necessarily care about actually listening to it, but having 
but having that that views by Drake will really <laughs> amplify your mood. If that's what hey, if that's what makes you smile at the end of the day, I'm all for it. It's ultimately yeah. your decision. It's your money. But my thing is, I take a lot of not just in the, in this context, but in I take a lot of consideration to the things that, that I purchase and in the in the experiences that I have. Like time and money are currency, and so I'm like, am I going to spend this money on this record? Uh, and then I'm going to spend this time to sit with this record um, and just listen to it and just be here in, in this space because it's not a it's not a medium. Well, some people have like riggings in their house where they have speakers everywhere, but it's not a medium where you can just put it on and, and take it anywhere. It's not like a CD where you can just pop it in the car or if you still got a portable CD player, there's also that. Hey, I dig it. Um, <laughs> even tapes. Shut out walk pop those in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah even if you have a tape you can put it in like a walkman or a walkman style thing and you can have that portability but vinyls are, are really um they're the type of and i think this goes into like the types of music that should be on vinyl in my brain is like things that help you slow down and like decompress or just be like still for a moment and just really engage with the music and what's going on in it um and so I, I, that's that's kind of my my take on like what kind of music like someone like Bedouin, someone like uh, Natalia Laforcade, someone like Leon La Havas, like some something that's just like a really good experience. And maybe that's more of a take on like the type of music <laughs> that's being made now. But um, yeah, I think that that's definitely something that I think about. No, that's a good point, and I I do think there will continue to be music that's that's made that is going to be really enjoyable on the vinyl mm -hmm. platform. Like, I don't think that as much as music will continue to change and is changing, I think we'll find new sounds that'll be good for the vinyl th platform. And there'll also just be people that continue the sounds of, of before. Yeah. And to like to combat my own to combat myself, <laughs> uh, there is definitely music that was made in the like in the 70s and, and before that I'm like, this is just not good music. And I would not want to listen to this on any format. Uh, right. But but also like the kinds of the kinds of vinyls that people the kind of records that people buy tells me like a lot about them. Um, it tells me what they hold dear to them, what kind of music they listen to, what kind of stuff they invest their money in. I think a lot of albums that people resonate with and want to say that they have that physical ownership of, you know, I think we're kind of getting to the point where we've had enough time to process the albums from like the late 2000s, the early 2010s, where like you mm -hmm. can really say that about those, that, those types of albums. Like, um, I guess I have, uh, Daft Punk's Human After All, which it, like it's mm. a very digital album, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like it was not made for the vinyl <laughs> format. Let's be let's be real. Um, but I have it because Daft Punk has like a kind of idea mean a lot to me as a music listener. And I, I want that piece. And just because I don't really put it on the the record player because it's not meant for that doesn't mean like I feel like my money's wasted when, when mm -hmm. I bought that. And, um, I, I, I think that might rub a lot of people that are, that might listen, that listen to vinyl the wrong way. Like, why are you buying records that you don't listen to? Mm -hmm. But I think there's something to be said for that gratification for owning a physical piece of music that you really, really like. And 
when that happens to be not no offense like cds and cassettes but like the record is what you think about when you're talking about the most historic and um, recognizable piece of physical music so i definitely think that even as we move forward like once we're in the 2040s i think we'll have enough time to have processed the albums that happened like in these late 2010s to be like that our that album was a big enough part of me that even though I don't think it sounds that great on vinyl, I don't think it would translate well, I want to own it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, I guess, my my piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can already hear the CD and cassette enthusiasts raging right now because they're like, <laughs> what about us? Uh, but I, I do agree. My brother, this past year, my youngest brother, he's about 11 or 12, without my influence at all, has gotten into vinyl records. And just like, I remember we were on a car ride somewhere, like for Christmas. Um, I think we were just like going to pick up takeout or something. And he brought his Nirvana Nevermind record. And I was like, this is something that he like, loves. And I and I recognize that in myself, because like, maybe four years ago, um, is when I got into the Shangri-Las and I, re- I discovered them on digital on like, Apple Music or whatever I was um, found them on or like read about them and then I listened to them digitally I was like oh I like this and this would sound really nice on a vinyl record because of the experience type thing Um, and then like on a the my trip to New York that year I we went to a record shop in like the West Village and I was like do you have the Shangri-Las and he was like "Uh, yeah they're over there and then like just pointed (laughs) randomly because it was New York and he was like I do not care you're going to buy it anyway um and I found this record that was like I think it was their first um album and I was like oh my gosh and I think it's still the album that I spent the most money on and it was 30 bucks uh but it was like the first pressing 1964 um and just like finding it and holding it and i get to tell the story of me going to this record shop in the west village and finding this rare object that i really loved and then i look at it now and i'm like you're like i i still love it so much and so to to have that physical aspect of it is so i agree it's so important and um for me that's a record from over 50 years ago for you it's something from maybe 10 10 20 years ago um and so, so again, I think that it's always up to the individual, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's an investment and it's something that is, um, it's, if it's special to you, then you go ahead with it. You're not hurting anybody. Right. Yeah. I think it's just like, you know, if you're, if the reason you're going to buy is because you think it'll sound better or mm-hmm. like something like that you know maybe reevaluate like what like kind of what your reasons are for wanting right. the album uh, and i think there like the kind of wanting ownership of something is 100 percent valid because when you're just you have all you own is a spotify account and you just have access to unlimited things you don't get that feeling of like i have this right this is something and that it's like i can hold on to i i i guess to give my own little anecdote i, I kind of got that feeling from so Back before Spotify, Pandora took over the game, like, I I remember just, like, getting iTunes gift cards. And, like, even Mm. purchasing an album Mm. digitally felt different. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was not the same thing as pulling up, like, that same album to to stream just, like, like, literally within three years later that streaming took over everything. So that that Mm -hmm. kind of mid phase where there were no phys like 
you were kind of purchasing things digitally, even that felt different to me. And yeah, uh, it like you have it on your phone and it's like, I bought this. Right. This is and now you can do whatever you want with whatever. those files, right? Like it, you own it. <laughs> mm. uh, and yeah. That, yeah. That's like, that's a very interesting thing. Cause it, in some ways it's like Spotify is amazing. Like I can pull up any artist instantly and mm-hmm. listen to anything, but, but there is something the dynamic is kind of different or there's something that may be lost and not like putting the investment in to right. like own, own a piece of music or whatever. Let's, let's quickly, uh, do you guys have any closing words? I feel like we actually kind of agreed on more than I thought we yeah. would. And like, I thought it was a very interesting conversation. I, and it definitely makes me think about like next time I'm going to album, there's like a lot of factors that go into it mm-hmm. of like, yeah making that decision to purchase i think yeah is there anything y'all want to say i think the important thing that we really agree on is this like i don't know if we i don't want to speak for roberto i guess that's what i'm saying but um if the reason you're buying a record is like purely for the audio quality then i i would say that like i i completely agree with his take like you you, modern albums just aren't going to sound like perfect you know but I think there's a lot of intangible things that go into the record experience that it, it deserves to live on. In, in the, so, yeah, I guess that's my closing thought. Yeah, I and I agree with me as well as Aditya. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, what, I, what I'll say about quality is like, it doesn't necessarily sound better on vinyl. That's not what I'm arguing. I just think yeah. it's better fit for that medium but i do dig mm-hmm. i do dig a digital fleetwood mac album um and i think that um it's ultimately up to the individual um but it's it's an experience and and a lot of factors do go into it but um yeah yeah it's up to you really but if you want to listen to future nostalgia on a record then that's that's your business and you have to deal with that <laughs> that is your prerogative yeah All right, our Zoom is about to close. So thank you all for coming on. It was very interesting. I really enjoyed listening. And I hope you guys did as well. And that will do it for this week's episode. Whoop, whoop.